Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast, where we talk about friendship, fun times, and most importantly, flesh and blood. Here are your hosts, Taylor and Isaac. Hello, Attactioneers. I'm here with my co-host, Ejok Frost. What's up, my friend? <laughs> um, we're doing a, a more of a kind of locals-oriented um, interview this time around, talking to Justin about um, trying to get big tournaments and grow the scene um, in California here. Heck yeah. Yeah. So Justin was the TO and organizer of the stream and, and all of that for the um, battle hardened LA and more maybe uh, less famously, but got his start with the so callings down in Southern California. So we have a nice interview with him kind of talking about tournament organizing and his experience putting on the the battle hardened and starting up his own uh, production company for games and events called arcane games and events. So um, it's a great interview. Justin's a great dude. And uh, we had a lot of fun, but before we get to that, we have some shout outs and a few other pieces of housekeeping to get to uh, before we get there. So Isaac, you have any shout outs? Um, I do not. I didn't know shout outs were coming first. Oh, well, we don't have any news. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, so I don't know. Shout out fable hobby. Uh, the, our only news, I guess, is that we, we are going to be commentating the battle hardened Portland, which will be taking place on the 13th coming up here. So, uh, Clear your schedules. I know it's last minute, but, uh, you know, you got to, you know, I don't know, but book a nanny or something <laughs> and tune in for, yeah. uh, for the battle hearted this coming weekend. We're very excited to commentate it and to see what happens in the, the meta. It's just so exciting watching this game at the moment. It, it, it really is. And this is kind of our, our preamble before uh, Leal happens um, and even Singapore, the calling in Singapore coming up. Um, so you can follow us on Twitter. I'm sure we'll post the link to the stream. Fable Hobby is also on Twitter. And uh, if you uh, are following any of the Portland players, perhaps they'll post the stream as well. So uh, hope to see you in the chat as we... Uh, entertain you for the whole day we're pretty excited about it yeah uh, i would like to shout out mara from blackwing studio she does altars for flesh and blood and magic and that sort of thing and she's kind of been on a terror of podcasts and has been a joy to listen to and get to know through that medium she has done um which i'm still waiting for mara i know you listen to the show so I know you're practicing for nationals and stuff, but you still have uh, some Icelander altars headed my way. So I just want you to know I open up the mailbox every single day, hoping to see that package. <laughs> so, but shout out to Mara. She does altered tokens, which I've been playing with. Um, and the frostbite is particularly cool. See what I did there? So shout out to them. Further news or sponsorship, I might add. Uh, Pick Pass Prey is still sponsored by Fab Foundry. So please go follow them on Twitter. Um, the, uh, you know, we'll retweet it on our Twitter and that sort of thing. The giveaway this time is going to be some store credit for Fab Foundry. And so usually on it picks a winner within. Uh, the first three or four days of the episode coming out. So if you're listening to this on release day, don't wait around to get to that pick pass prey because you're going to get some cashola for Fab Foundry. 
um, and we really appreciate them. So go check them out. Also, my last thing before we get into the interview with Justin is supporting our podcast. So if you enjoy our content and find value in it, there's kind of three great ways to support us. Uh, One is to subscribe, review, and like everything we do. That helps us out in this algorithmic-based world. So if you're listening on uh, Spotify, boom, hit us with some stars. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a nice iTunes review, please. And uh, I don't think Google does reviews, but just make sure you're subscribed. YouTube also. Uh, Then the other great way you can support us is through our Patreon. It's as little as $4 a month. You get access to the Discord and anything else we can figure up to uh, pass out or give to you or or that sort of thing. Uh, it's a great community. Uh, we've, we we're growing every month with that. So it's, it's a great way to support us super directly. And then the most cost effective way to support us is just tell a friend. So word of mouth is really great. So make sure you're, you're out there being like, Hey, you like flesh and blood. Do you listen to the attack action podcast? Well, you should, if you don't. And if you do, you're also an attacktioneer, and now we're best friends for life. So great way to meet people and a great way to support us. So we really appreciate all that you do for us, the fans. Um, it, it means the world to us. So totally. thank you. If you live in New Zealand, you can go picket the LSS studio also until we get 10 spoilers <laughs> per season. That's also free. <laughs> And just some way you can help out the pod. <laughs> totally. Sorry, I've just been sitting in silence too long. All the, back to you, <laughs> Falcon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're cut off. You're cut off over there. Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, it's, I mean, do do that. But I know it's winter in New Zealand, and I'm unsure where Legend Stories is. Which city, and if it's too harsh of a climate at this time of the year, save it for summertime, baby. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, okay, we've done actually a lot of podcasts today, so uh, we're kind of tuckered out here. So we're going to let this interview that we did with Justin earlier today do all the talking for us. Thank you for listening and enjoy this interview. All right, we're here with Justin from Arcane Games and Events. What's up, my friend? Nothing much. How's it going with you guys? Great. It's going just great. (laughs) We're really excited to have you here. Uh, it is a sunny California day for all three of us, which is mm-hmm. rare because we live hundreds of miles apart in the same state. Yeah, it's only like 100 degrees right here in L.A., so that's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I'm committed to the podcast. I turn off the loud air conditioner in the room, so, you know. Oh, nice. I have to do that. Taylor makes me turn it off. <laughs> no for, for audio sake yeah the the audience makes you turn it off because <laughs> they would be upset we already have listeners complaining about your bird noise when your windows open so i know sorry, it's I'll just so... down the criticism on the comment section i'm sorry it's, a little weird. <laughs> it's, it's too many birds singing <laughs> yeah totally it's too pleasant i'm stuck in traffic you guys are reminding me, et cetera. So anyway, uh, so everybody, Justin was the tournament organizer for the Battle Hardened LA that me and Isaac had the opportunity to be a part of the commentary team for that. So we wanted to have him on the podcast to get a bit of a perspective from somebody running kind of a 
I don't know, major event, I suppose, that is sponsored by LSS. So you not only organized all of the judges, the venue, uh, but you also set up like the whole stream and all of the graphics and that sort of thing. So first, Justin, tell us how the hell did you get into flesh and blood? And then how does that get into tournament organizing? Yeah, so I got into flesh and blood with actually the first calling in Vegas, the one that Tyler won. I don't guess the podcast, friend of the podcast. Um, but mm-hmm. it was around the time when, you know, events started opening back up and people started going to things. And I came from a magic background and I stopped playing a couple years ago, just kind of fell out with the game and didn't really uh, enjoy some of the cards coming out and just, you know, life happens, that kind of stuff. So when Flesh and Blood rolled around, I was like, this is kind of interesting. I had a bunch of friends who were into it. And, you know, like any good card game, everyone tries to bring their friends in. So I started hearing that from my friend group and then exploring it. Then I saw the the or the calling and it was, honestly, it just looked really interesting. And the thing that stuck out to me the most was just how it reminded me of the old Magic competitive scene. So at that time, they were sunsetting their competitive scene in Magic, and then Flesh and Blood kind of just popped right in and copy and pasted everything that they saw from Magic. And I know a lot of people at the studio have worked in Magic, participated, played, and kind of been in that ecosystem. So it had that same feeling to me. And so when I saw that, I picked up some decks, and I got into Tales of Aria was when I got in and did the pre-release and then got hooked immediately. Like, and the funny thing was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was playing against someone in the last round. I'm like one and two. And he was a really nice guy. I don't know who he is. I got to look it up. But after the game, I was talking like, oh, I really want to try this out. It looks really fun. You know, the people have been really nice. He's like, oh, here, like take a card. It's a a promo card or no, it was was just a card he could pull out of his binder. And he gave it to me. He's like, here, take this one. And it was in lane strike. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Put it in my (laughs) into my deck box didn't know what it was worth and just like forgot about it and then <laughs> throw I it in my wallet sit on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so that was like my first kickoff into the game and like meeting the community and really you know seeing how different it felt different and familiar at the same time in magic yeah definitely i think with vegas uh everybody was like really raring to go like you said, with Magic kind of shutting down their pro scene, but also like coming out of the COVID lockdown. And, you mm-hmm. know, it was, it was kind of just a perfect time for a game to like really <clears throat> blow up like this, um, especially with how much effort they were putting into making it happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, good. I'm glad your friends uh, tried to get you into it. It's up to all of us as the friends to listen to your friends when they pitch games and give them an honest go. Because sometimes mm-hmm. it'll be flesh and blood and you'll be, uh, you know, pleasantly surprised yeah totally all three of us were there and mutual friend colin honingman producer of this podcast so that's uh pretty cool i remember the pre-release i think the most notable thing about tales of aria or tales of aria world premiere i suppose not even really the pre-release was that they like messed up the promo giveaways or whatever you know we were there for like six hours that should have been or like four rounds of play, you know, it was like double in length. And I remember being like going back to the Airbnb, like, Oh, we're so fucked tomorrow when it's classic instructed and the rounds are 50 <laughs> minutes. Like we're going to be here till midnight, but thankfully they, they ironed it out and, and got it together. But yeah, that was a incredible weekend. Cause that was like our, uh like kind of final big event of the year but it was like so nice to i mean it was kind of jarring being in such a big space with so many people after mm-hmm. having been in lockdown for so long so i think i will never forget that that weekend and tales of aria because of all of the mo- monumentous things happening around everywhere mm-hmm. so justin uh do you still get to play kind of as much as you want um despite you know being on the the other side of things sometimes and who's your favorite hero we always got to know mm-hmm. yeah so i am a, a lucius player uh to the mm-hmm. chagrin of everyone who plays with me 
um, you know, watching Tyler win. It was it was fun to pick up Prism because it did feel like the decks I like to play in Magic, which were play a board state, have lots of interactions, <clears throat> play on other people's turns. But I've transitioned into Dromai now, so everyone's a little less more friendly to me. Um, <laughs> um, it's a little less yeah. impressive for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at an armory yesterday, I fought a little dirty. I knew there was going to be a lot of wizard players there, so I put in three Thamais, so... Um, nice. Yeah, I guess I didn't get any points there. But yeah, with, uh, <laughs> with playing, I still try to play as much as I can because I think it's important if you're going to be running events for a game that you interact with the community and playing the game still and kind of getting that sense of uh, being close to the ground. Because it's really easy to just kind of go towards, I think, running the event <clears throat> and not really playing day to day and kind of getting feel for what players are thinking about that. You lose out on a lot of different small stuff. And I definitely got a lot of feedback from Battle Harden of like the small things we did right and things we did wrong. It's like you would never understand that feedback or the compliments if you didn't know what those day to day things were feeling like for players. So yeah, I try to get that I mean, as much as I can. Totally. And the players can feel that as well. You know, like it's 100% obvious when people don't play the game or aren't connected to the community and that sort of thing. And so it is nice to have that level of uh, genuine interest into the thing you're also very passionate about. It's kind of like uh, dating, I suppose, you know, you're like, Oh, you genuinely have interest into this other thing that I'm like into. That's very attractive. I would like to go on more dates with you. This is a metaphor, Justin, so don't get excited, okay? I know Christine, your wife, is a very nice person, so I don't want her to listen to this and think that uh, we're like, getting fresh with you. Are you going on to now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no more podcasts for you. But yeah, and it's like, I've been on the other side too, like when... I've gone to magic events or flesh and blood events. You could feel just like the other side of it where it's like, oh, this person knows what's going on. And even if it's the small things, you know, you don't pick up on it, but you can feel it when you're just playing in the tournament. And I try to make it out to as many events as I can. So like ProQuest, RTNs, I did a skirmish, um, went 03, but we won't talk about that one. Um, so you can define <laughs> playing a little loosely. Um, <laughs> on that side of things but yeah i think it's nice. i just enjoy the game too and it's just you know it's refreshing and it's fun to play and just getting to meet people like that was the biggest thing for me is just it's a, a vehicle to go and meet people in the community like in socal we have just a huge player base and a lot of just honestly just too good at players it's just they have to stop because i need to win sometimes <laughs> at least once in a tournament so we just got to cool it down a little bit but yeah, if, if only all your tournaments were full of Blake Meyer, then it would be easy wins. <laughs> but unfortunately, you have Tyler Horsepool and Andrew Rudin and etc. But you know? he's driving up to you guys right now to knock down your door. <laughs> Blake doesn't no, listen to podcasts. Yeah, he doesn't listen to the cast, so we don't. We don't. That zing doesn't quite connect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do hope that's a running joke forever. Now it's just I. Blake doesn't listen, so we can say whatever about him. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, he'll um, start to have to be a listener just so he can uh, defend his honor. You know, that's how we're getting him. <laughs> um, it it was very apparent to us that you you know really cared about the game and wanted this to be, or you know, that to be a like a high quality production. Um, you know, because you cared. Just like kind of the polar opposite is, you know, I've been to certain events kind of in the early growing phases of the game where, you know, like the judges don't know the rules or the announcers don't know what the game is or, you know, just like mm -hmm. certain things like that where you're like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I still had a blast and it was still very fun, but you can tell it's just like um, somebody was hired to produce this. And they're kind of doing the best they can out of the blue. But, um, you know, uh, on the other side, too, I think it's just like so important for people like you to kind of take that leap, you know, to uh, 
to like put on a battle hardened at a high quality of production um, in order to have, you know, I don't know, there's people in the community that love the game so much on the like production end of things, I think will be very healthy for the game in the long run. So mm-hmm. good on you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, so how the hell do you go from uh, playing illusionist to putting on the battle hardened LA? How does that happen? <laughs> what are you, Isaac? Are you thinking like <laughs> how many no. people did he arc light sentinel on the <laughs> no, way? Yeah. There? <laughs> it's like board state. A lot of moving parts. You know, he's been training for this day. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, if you cast Arclight Sentinel a thousand times, then LSS gives you a call. (laughs) Like, all right, this person's committed. Let's do this. Um, But it started actually kind of from a selfish place where I wanted to relive like what the old Magic Gathering Pro Tour was and that competitive scene and try and see how you bring that into flesh and blood from even just a small perspective. So we started with the So Calling, which was a small tournament that we ran at our local store. And it was just kind of something to, the first one was just to have players come and play during Nationals weekend who didn't make it or who couldn't make it out. And I use it as an excuse to like kind of meet a bunch of people and see how these tournaments are run and kind of go through it. And then we did the second one and I wanted to do streaming because I wanted to learn how to do streaming and how do you put on a production and kind of go through and, you know, start reaching higher for something like, oh, let's see how close we can get to like a calling or a Grand Prix or Pro Tour. And in doing that, I think LSS saw that and just reached out to us to, hey, you want to do a battle heart and we've seen your events, they're firing. You know, we've been working with them for like getting extra prizing. So I think us taking initiative to put that on and just be like, we're just doing this because we want to. And we think it's a cool venture and we can give opportunities to like, you know, that's when I just met Colin and Blake who were the first two commentators for So Calling. And we just had a lot of positive feedback from the players who were just like, oh, we're going to the Pro Tour next week and it's cool to get some practice in, play on stream and kind of see all these different things moving. So it was gradual but for me it was learning about it and really wanting to push forward my knowledge of like the game and streaming and all these different parts cool yeah the um so callings were a big hit you know for because didn't you put you put on the first one when nationals happened right for all of the local Mm -hmm. um players that uh didn't get a chance to go so i think that's uh very smart of you. Very savvy. Well done. Mm-hmm. So that's like, all right, I see you. Checkmate. Yes. <laughs> and having a, a high quality stream is really important. I mean, like LSS saw the so calling and gave you a battle hardened, you know? And then um, mm-hmm. as we mentioned on a previous pod, the uh, production of the battle hardened was like so, or was calling quality, you know? And um, mm-hmm. hopefully they notice that as well. And we'll keep upgrading you to uh, Worlds 2023. <laughs> yeah, that's the hope. You know, I've been just saying, like, I want a calling. I want something bigger. And, you know, we treated this as like a resume for us to be, we can do this. And we're obviously looking to upgrade a bunch of different things that we did for this because we felt happy with how it went. But we're always looking to go forward and, like, push the boundaries a little bit more of what's the production quality look like different segments and all that different you know moving parts going into it and so hopefully it was just smooth on the outside looking in um, but it was a lot of work from people behind the scenes and making it happen like especially you guys commentating and flying down and hanging out with colin and the rest of the guys and just experiencing the weekend with us well i wouldn't really call it work i would call it vacation um, uh, Colin basically like cooked all of our meals and then we just got to hang out and talk or play flesh and blood for the other times Colin was not making us food. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I would love this job if it paid more. <laughs> I, th- I thought we were going to show up and, um, have to prep a bunch of like time filler 
you know, topics and discussions and like pick pass brain games, and like all of those things. And we showed up and you guys were like, no, we, we did all that already. You know, <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, yeah it was, it was plug pretty, you guys. pretty luxurious. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely and I didn't know was. it was like the prereq for commentating was a mustache. So <laughs> I guess I'll have to let people know that's, you know, you must have a mustache this long to apply. <laughs> I don't think Colin and Taylor would count my mustache as a real mustache. No, because I still commentate. It's a beard. You have a beard, not a mustache. They're two separate things. See, <laughs> you don't think, I mean, I guess I, you could then say, I just have upper beard, <laughs> <laughs> you know, top beard. I, yeah, top beard. <laughs> yeah. That that's what we should have been, is the top beard bros or some <laughs> something stupid. Anyway, all right, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so, Justin, you also started your own now production company based on mm-hmm. uh, putting on these events. So, could you talk to me about the logic behind that or the inspiration? You didn't want to just be uh, Justin guy, you, you are now Justin from arcane games and events. So talk to me about that. Yeah, it's in starting a production company. It's two part where, like you said, it's just going to, I didn't want this to be just a one-off thing that we throw and then we all walk away. And the second thing is to help manage it logistically. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of costs that go into it, contracts and insurance and all these different things. So it just made sense to open up LLC to kind of host all these things under it. And in opening it, we want to do more events, obviously with uh, not just Flesh and Blood, but other games and really hone that craft of what it looks like to put on an event and then improve upon it. Because we feel like there's a baseline of what you should be at. And then going above and beyond is like, once you get to that level, then you can work on the innovative stuff of like what we think tournaments of the future should look like. And so opening a company just makes sense for us and gives us a lot more leverage and maneuverability and when we want to run events in the future. And so people know where to come and look for us. Nice. So I have a, when you say events, um, what is the breadth of events that you would run, right? Like we're talking mm-hmm. county fairs within <laughs> board gaming only, you know, like uh, what, what exactly, what's the scope of, what you're aiming for initially and then you hope to broaden it or, you know, what, what's your goal here? Yeah. I think right now we're trying to stick with all the major card games and kind of reach out and go for those kind of events. So something similar to like a battle hardened size. Um, we still have our so calling series, which we're going to work on an independent tournament series that we're still, you know, in the early stages of planning where we want to be like a tournament circuit that people can have their own, you know, players' championships and rankings and leaderboards and stuff like that. And so that's something we want to work towards as well. But we're sticking with card games and seeing where it goes from there because we have that, you know, expertise of players and uh, people on our staff who have gone to these different events and run them and, you know, done them in different capacities and we're kind of bringing everyone together. So I think that's the scope right now, but we're we're looking to branch out to, you know, bigger productions and things like, you know, the Pro Tour and Worlds, if people remember, like, the old Pro Tours for Magic, they were full-on productions with, like, 60, 70 people. You know, overhead cranes, lighting, you know, set designers, all those different things. So that's where I would like to aim for. Because I think that's really interesting and bringing, like, that production value to a game adds so much to it. Because people care about the players and you build these storylines and you have, you know the game put on display for a lot of people to see and see like, oh, this is really serious and interesting and cool. And if you've never watched Flesh and Blood before and they sit down on a couch next to you, they can enjoy it as well because there's just so much production value. And so that's where I want to aim to bring the game from my perspective at the very least. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's something you talked about a lot over the weekend was really trying to... um, provide a service for your really great players in SoCal and kind of highlight them in that a huge part of the production was 
to get people to get to know the players, not so much just like kind of watch the games and be done, but uh, hopefully, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, create some fandom around some stuff, you know? Yeah. Like from the second so calling we did, the biggest win that I took away from it was Craig Pollock won the first one at the Scourge of Pasadena. And he went to New Jersey the week after it for the Pro Tour. And people recognized him. He's like, oh, you you won the so-calling. And he was just as confused as everybody. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, how do people know me? And he asked where they're from. And they're like, oh, some somewhere in the Midwest. And he's like, how's that? I was just playing Flesh and Blood in Los Angeles. And now people recognize me. And I thought that was yeah. the coolest thing ever. Because it's bringing players forward. Like when we talked about that with Colin and Blake during the, the so-calling, the second one. It was like, we want to focus on the players because that's the thing that people tune into streams for and like follow is, oh, he's, you know, he plays my favorite hero. He's one of the best to do it. So I'm going to go watch him play it. It's not mm-hmm. really about the cards flying across the table. It's more of like, how does my favorite player play my favorite class? Like, right. I love watching Craig play Bravo and it's like, I know he's the Guardian guy. And so like with John Ho, he's Viserai just Viserai all the time and when he plays on stream it's like you learn something new every time and you talk about him as he's from this era he plays this all the time his tendencies go to this and like that's what players remember about a street not like oh he just played a rebel in rune blood and then yeah. he killed him for a bunch of damage it's like how does he do it where does he come from what's his backstory yeah yeah and, th- and those sort of things are starting to take off you know i we're we're in this nice spot in flesh and blood where we are kind of a big enough game but also small enough right that like john ho's legend is that he never misses off of uh, a tome of the arc knight right and he hits every <laughs> single one you know it's a good superpower yeah totally <laughs> and so that's like a bit of his mystique you know or or like when we're in our like norcal scene people will say oh well this doesn't really beat viscerai or whatever but then some people will be like well i beat john on this deck or whatever or it goes vice versa like john's beat me seven times in a row and this is a bad matchup for these heroes or whatever you know so um mm-hmm. yeah the the players definitely uh you know are creating a reputation for themselves for sure in our community which is great because having events like this helps uh do that and it definitely brings the game uh, to the next level and that's how you get your like lsvs and uh redukes and and that sort of thing so. mm-hmm. yeah and the, the game's been going on long enough now that we've had kind of enough time to create that narrative like you know like when kale mccreeth comes on camera it's like this is a hostile meta for guardians but you better watch out if you're sitting across <laughs> from him anyway you know because he has it you know He's figured it out and has a way to compete anyway. And um, it's pretty fun to uh, to see those players come up on stream. Yeah. Yeah. And we see it with like even the smaller heroes. Like we had Alan from San Diego, the Bolton player, the one Bolton player who shows up to a tournament and top eights. Like this battle Harden and Vegas. And he just comes out of nowhere and he plays super quickly. All his cards are bent. <laughs> and, you know, he's. <laughs> just destroying people and it's really cool to see like oh we have specialists we have you know this player always plays this or he's the guy who just picks up any deck and is good with it and building those storylines as we get more events i think is really important because we didn't have those for a while where it was maybe a calling every once in a while or big events that were streamed but now we're moving into a new era of flesh and blood where more events are happening more things are you know um, leading to qualifiers and we have worlds and we have pro tours and multiple pro tours now so there's more opportunities for players to kind of reach out and flex their skills and even though we know them on a local level they're going to get access to a bigger stage now yeah totally and who knows like this time next year me and isaac might have someone on the podcast or or maybe even meet someone at a tournament and they're like oh yeah we watched the like battle hardened la and that's what got me into the game. It just looks so cool. And that's why I have this mustache. Cause it looked so cool, you know, <laughs> yeah, or whatever, you know, weekend, you and you a, go, it's not a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a beard. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's a top and bottom facial hair, not just top. Yeah, totally. Um, what, what were yeah, you saying about the f- photographer who, who was great, by the way? I, f- I forget that gentleman's name, but shout uh, him out. Nick. So, yeah, we, Nick. we're That's good right. friends, and I asked him to take pictures for the event, and I've been telling him about flesh and blood constantly, trying to get him into it and being subtle and not so subtle. Um, and he took pictures of the event, and he was like, this is interesting. And he went and bought um, a Phi deck and a Joe My deck and took it home with him. Sick. And I consider that the big win of the weekend. I'm like, we can shut it down. This whole event was just to get you into flesh and blood. <laughs> That's it. Everyone is paid actors. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's um, funny. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that I hope happens from this event. You know, just seeing like, oh, there's stuff happening in my backyard. And I know all these people. Like, oh, I used to play Magic with the guy and he's playing flesh and blood now. And that happens mm-hmm. a lot too that I've seen. So what did you feel like you nailed at the battle hardened weekend? And then what do you think is your place that you would like to improve to take it to the next level? Big question here. Yeah. Um, I think everyone went well and uh, we have nothing to improve on. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Fair enough. Podcast yeah, over. Thanks first for Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think with us, we were really happy with the stream and that production value and i think we got a lot of interesting comments from it where people are like driving home from the tournament then they put it on in their car to listen to the stream and i thought that was really cool um and i think just the people we had come out was you know a great introduction to a lot of the judges i got to meet a lot of them they traveled from all over the place san diego norcal we had some people come in What's and up, Eugene? A lot of them, it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he was really great. And um, I think with, with us, the thing we realized is that the judging community on the West Coast is up and coming and growing. And so for a lot of people, this was like their first time judging an event. And so getting that experience for them was kind of really interesting to see. And I was happy to have that experience for them. And going forward, I think the thing we want to improve on is just the back end stuff, the more logistical things, um, like managing the judges better and kind of going through the tournament a little bit better. And, you know, we heard a lot of feedback from players of like extra rounds and things like that, which looking back, we should have done. So we're, we're taking a lot of feedback in and I'm looking for it. Like the night, the compliments are great, but if someone has an opinion on what we did or, you know, what we could do better i'm just seeking towards that and so we heard a lot from like each was really great in giving us feedback having gone to plenty of big tournaments and judging and giving us perspective so we definitely or for me personally i'm not shying away from that i i'm trying to find anyone who has anything bad to say about the tournament because i think that's just where you get better it sucks to hear but that's where you improve upon stuff because it's really easy to just like close the doors and just say we did a good job anyone who says anything you just kind of brush off right but we have this huge document of just things we've debriefed on and heard from players and things we can do better next time and it's a very long document of just small things to big things to individual uh, accounts like we had our fire alarm that happened, <laughs> you know yeah totally which uh Yichin said is not in the rule book but eventually will be <laughs> how to handle this in the future um but learning stuff like that, like we didn't know we had to account for that, but it's something we should account for. You know, what happens when something happens and you have to evacuate the venue. Um, so it's all these things you learn from just doing it the first time. So that was my main takeaway is just like getting it across the finish line and seeing what happens and taking all the feedback from it. Nice. That's a very healthy perspective. Um, I will point out though, you guys really nailed like the event went off on time, which is kind of rare even for, uh, you know, like huge events and, you know, big productions. So having the rounds move smoothly and the event complete, like in a timely manner, not run until like 10 PM or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. is awesome. You know? So I think that that is like a huge positive takeaway or that's a huge win right there. Um, also just the, the stream was top notch, like, the lighting was excellent. Everything was really smooth. 
all of that went off without a hitch. And, you know, that's another thing I noticed from other, uh, you know, other events is those are two things that not even, you know, the, the bigger pros or whatever have dialed all the time. So I think that those are two pretty huge wins. My one, my one feedback to all tournaments, which I understand that time is tough, but if there was a half an hour lunch break at events, that would be awesome. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. And we, but I know yeah. that that's very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think we could have done that because we ran so smoothly. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we finished yeah. early and uh, yeah. it was surprising to everybody. That was the one thing I got was like, well, it's the sun is still up and we're almost done with the tournament. <laughs> Yeah, even with the fire alarm going off, for those of you who don't know, the fire alarm went off in like round four or something like that, like halfway through the round. And it was a a logistical thing everybody had to deal with. So it was exciting. We got to see it live on stream. It was clipped plenty of times and sent to me after that. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) So that was fun. You're like, yes, I know. I was there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, someone said to me, like, did you see this? I'm like... I did not. <laughs> I had no idea this happened. <laughs> um, yeah, we had, it was funny, one of our scorekeepers, she went on her lunch before the fire alarm, and then she came back as it was happening. She's like, what's going on? <laughs> what happened in the time I left for like 15 minutes? <laughs> um, That's funny. Okay, I see how it is. Scorekeepers get a lunch, but uh, <laughs> players and commentators don't. Okay. <laughs> Let's hey, uh, know, put the that judges, in the bag. You know, they're union, the judges, so they get their own thing. Mm. Commentators will work it out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there was no like need a for team, union talk, though. There was a Teamster <laughs> meeting at the same convention center. We should have just gone over there and got the paperwork and got some paid TO, you know. <laughs> Wild. Also, wait, what? there was also a, another thing that happened that maybe is not related to the fire alarm. Wasn't there like a jewelry heist? That also happened like outside of the convention center? Yeah. So we had like next door to us was a jewelry convention. And from what I heard, there was a convention in San Francisco. And vendors are just basically moving from that convention center to Pasadena. And some vendors went in on like a Brinks truck and put everything in there. And on the way towards Pasadena Convention Center, we got robbed. Like Ocean's (laughs) Eleven heist robbed. And it was like $150 million worth of jewelry or something. So it was like half the value of all the cards in the room at Battle Heart in LA. <laughs> yeah, especially on Andrew Rudin's like deck. Yeah. Well, my favorite deck that I saw was on Jarek's deck, which was the double Marvel deck, which is he would play the Invocation, which is a Marvel, and then he would take out a pile, which is another Marvel and Dragon, and put it right side up. <laughs> And he had that for every dragon and every Ashling, and it was awesome. And I heard comments of like, I talked to him after. He's like, "I'm sad you didn't mention it more on stream because that's the whole reason I did it." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that is a cool. As a person who has just uh, started their hashtag Shine Life lifestyle, um, it is rather fun and addicting to have all of the shiny cards. And <clears throat> I'm just glad I have not caught the dromai bug because then i would just be forced to get all marvel dragons yeah then you'd be in oliver's camp where he just plays for the shining cards yeah (laughs) it's all about the shining cards totally it looks awesome in person though tell you what yeah maybe worth it it's not so awesome on the wallet but it's really awesome on the table (laughs) i'm in that loop now so i'm slowly acquiring it hell yeah that's great so, um, so Justin, furthering on here. So, as a event uh, putter honor producer, that's probably the good word. Organizer, <laughs> tournament organizer. So, what do you think? Even for like the channel Fireball streams, like what is kind of the next evolution for Flesh and Blood, like live play at these bigger events? Do we just like? add in like a halftime show, like kind of the magic pro tour stuff does where there's like a group of people mm-hmm. in a booth and then people who do the, the match live. What do you think the next uh, level is? 
Um, I think for production, it's it's just being being more player focused, like we talked about before. Of like, we tried a little bit a little bit with ours, where it's like at the uh, the top of the show, we highlighted players. You know, like Tyler, Chris Ayali, Craig, and doing more of that stuff, where it's like you know an ESPN broadcast where there is a halftime show and there's segments and perspective on all these new players coming up and who's up and coming, who won these, you know, RTNs or ProQuests. And when you get to that level where it's callings for regions, um, like LA, it was super helpful to have the commentators know all the people in the tournament. Yeah. Because it's hard when you don't have that context. So as the scene grows, it's like getting those players and pushing them forward. Where they may not know how to do them. So that's, they may not know how to do that themselves, but taking initiative to go and push that for for their perspective if they want it. And I think that's where broadcast should be going is more player focused. And they already have a lot of that with like, you know, the Arsenal Pass guys, Team Covenant, and, you know, the Nationals Champions and Yuki, Tariq, all those players. But there's still plenty more who are right above that level who haven't quite converted yet. Right. But they're on this teams with players and practicing with them. So I think getting more context and knowledge of those players is where you'll get a lot of value on the broadcast because people tune in to watch the people that they play with every week. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, oh, my friend's going up there. He's really sick. He's really good. And now he's on stream. So I yeah, think that, focusing that... more on that is, like, really important. Yeah, I definitely hear you. I mean, that's, like... I mean, we're in the era sort of, of, um, you know, well, I can only really speak for basketball, but it's like, you're not like so much a, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers fan as you are a LeBron James fan, right. Mm -hmm. Or a, uh, Steph Curry fan over like the Warriors. Now, some people might get mad at me or people actually don't know who those teams are or whatever, you know, there's the spectrum. But what I'm trying to say is that like, you know, mm-hmm. the individuals on those teams are the product over the the teams themselves. And, and like you've said uh, a number of times now, it's like that's kind of also the product we're pushing when we're on stream is not so much, it is the game, but it's also the players, you know? And I think, you know, Isaac and me are actually uh, rather well positioned for any West Coast big events to commentate on because we live in the middle of nowhere between San Francisco and Portland. So we have we've been all over the place to go to play in tournaments, you know, in Portland and in the Bay Area cities and in L.A. and stuff. So we know everybody. Yeah. 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 We've been to a lot of a lot of scenes. (laughs) Yeah, I we love just, hearing. We to reach out to you. You're just in the middle of nowhere, and it's like we need you to come out of commentating. You know, come and commentate again. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it again. You know, you're gonna have to convince me. And it's like <laughs> you know, we have John O's playing again. This I'm like, all right, I'll go. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it for Tao Tao. <laughs> <laughs> One less job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love hearing about, you know, you hear, you see players who are like putting up like good results, but yeah, just haven't convert like, you know, top eight of, or maybe the top eight, a calling mm-hmm. and you don't hear from them for, for a while or, you know, they're just like always under the radar a bit, uh, but who are now like, again, it's been long enough now that sometimes they're like, you know, like Isaac Crute or something is like pretty famous in his mm-hmm. own right. Uh, hasn't like won a pro tour yet or anything like that. But there's all these names that you hear about and you're like, hmm, all right, I'm gonna watch out for them. They really got it. We'll mm-hmm. see, you know. But uh it's just it's fun because since we started this podcast in deep COVID quarantine when the game was like unknown, it's like really fun to have seen the evolution of the competitive scene and then having it grow enough that now there's all these names that you keep hearing about. And it's like, Oh, well, you know, I heard from so-and-so that this is the hot deck or, you know, I heard that, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, It's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. It totally is. 
and uh, Isaac, because you and Mr. Crew share the same first name, I thought you were you were going to talk about yourself. Yeah, <laughs> this guy Isaac Jessen. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, <laughs> does he have it? Does he have it? I mean, throughout the roads of nationals, I just heard you guys kept saying that about yourselves over and over again, and I was like, man, <laughs> these guys are about it. <laughs> uh, nope. But we did get one top four finish in one RTN, so we're not washed up yet. No way. I'm never going to be a pro player. I get too distracted by fun decks and having fun. I'm like bad at being a pro player, but that's okay. So is there anything, you know, that anything you've learned or like you, you have a bit of experience in this, um, area now is there anything you'd like to share with you know fellow producers or with lss or just with anybody who has aspirations of growing um their local scene um is there do you have any parting words or any anything to uh, impart yeah i think for us when we started it was like just the initiative to just want to do something cool like the so calling was just born out of wanting to put on a tournament that wasn't something like a ProQuest or RTN or and it was something different. And we kind of just spun out from there of always looking to do something that's above the baseline of whatever is kind of default. So with the Battle Arm, for example, we streaming is not a requirement for running these events. But we put a huge amount of focus into it and effort and time and you know care into it that we feel like it's stuff like that that makes tournaments better. From a player perspective, it doesn't matter to them because they're playing in it, but for those at home and people watching it after and the players who make it on stream, it's like a cool thing for them. And walking away from tournaments like that, it's we're always looking to be what is everybody else doing and how can we do it better? Like we had long talks about small stuff that you don't even really think about and so you're at the tournament, like the one thing we talked about um, doing for the next event, which we were going to try this event, but logistically didn't work out, was when we do deck checks every round, we bring the players with us. Because we think it's odd when you do a deck check and you just walk away with their deck and they're at the table and they're like, well, I hope my deck is okay. <laughs> you know, which is the default, right? You just sit at the table, talk to your opponent and say, I hope they don't steal my deck. And then <laughs> you just wait for your deck to come back in one piece, which... You know, all the judges are great about that, doing that, but it's like the small peace of mind stuff. And so we're looking at like that granular level of like, what is the small stuff for players look like to improve upon for next time? So thinking mm -hmm. in that perspective of how can we make this better, even though there's already things being done to kind of address all these things, because that's how as a community we push everything forward. I agree. Uh, that is for sure, that's a great wrap-up sentence to that. And that's how, as a community, we push those things forward. Um, what if you, when you do deck checks, you give both players to just like commoner decks and you'd be like, here you go, play with these. We'll be right back. It's <laughs> <laughs> like giving a kid a, some crayons and a piece of paper, like here, draw <laughs> until your food comes. It's like I would be into that. You're in the lobby. You know, they have That's that toy with the water funny. and you're just pressing the buttons. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm actually into that, but they're like weird decks, you know? Yeah, totally. Like and Talishar. Really they just drop you like, what? Yeah, Talishar, Azalea, and yeah, double Titan's Fist Bravo. <laughs> Are you making agonizing? You give them two prism decks and they have to play the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Be done by the time we get back. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't Game. lay on the table, you just throw it at them. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's not even nice. Yeah. And it just has an index card with all of the stuff you need to say. You don't even say it. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Very sage advice. It's good to hear from the, uh, you know, the other side of it. All right. Signature segments.
So we'll start off here with pick, pass, pray. So Justin, this is a draft scenario. I'm going to read off three separate cards. Then we're going to throw it to you and you're going to pick one, pass one, and pray one comes back around. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay. First card up is red trade-in. So it pitches for one, costs zero, defends for two, attacks for three. It is a generic attack action. And it reads, when you attack with trade-in, you may discard a card. If you do, draw a card. If trade-in is played from Arsenal, it gains. Go again. Our second card is Sweeping Blow Yellow. So it pitches for two, costs one, defends for three, attacks for two, and it's a Draconic Illusionist attack action. It reads, when you attack with Sweeping Blow, create an Ash token. Go again. The Illusionists of the Ash Plains can quickly turn home ground to their advantage. Third and final card is Oasis Respite Yellow. Pitches for two, costs one, defends for nothing, and attacks for nothing because it is a generic instant. And it reads, prevent the next three damage that would be dealt to target hero this turn by a source of your choice. If they have less life than each other hero, they may gain one health. So, Justin, which one are you going to pick? Pass and pray comes back around. Interesting. It's a tough one. Yeah, because they all kind of suck. I... <laughs> you said that I did it. Um, <laughs> um, I think I would probably pick the trade-in because you do stay open. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a red, so it has some good value there. Uh, and I think I would pass the sweeping blow and pray for the oasis to come back. Because you can at least play those uh, in the same deck. The sweeping blow yellow is not that great because you really want a bunch of red Gogans and Dromai. So I think that's kind of what I would go for the first take. Nice. Isaac? Um, I hear ya. I'm narrowly, I'm going to pick Oasis Respite Yellow and pray for red trade-in. Uh, not, yeah, neither is that great. But, um, you know, Oasis Respite is like, it's like a utility card, right? It It's great against Easlander no matter what deck you are. It makes an Ash as Dromai, it, you know, um, it functions pretty well. I agree. Sweeping blow does not give you go again. So even if you make two ash out of it, you're swinging for two go again for two cards, which is just terrible. <laughs> and I do kind of like red trade in. You only get the go again if you set it up, but it's still, it's just like oftentimes you're looking to arsenal a card anyway. So, uh, you know, um, pretty good utility card actually, but you know, uh, having a couple oasis respites in, in your deck to like shore up, uh, you know, especially the Eastlander matchup is a pretty good, pretty good utility there. All right, Taylor, what's the real answer? Well, I think you nailed it, Isaac. I think I value Oasis Respite higher than Red Trade-In, even if it is the yellow Oasis, because it's pretty applicable in every deck you run. Like Phi has a lot of three damage attacks. Uh, so does Dromai, and so does Icelander. So I kind of like Oasis Respite the best, assuming I'm not already in... Like, if I'm already in Phi or Dromai, potentially, I might actually pick the trade-in. But in this scenario where I'm unsure which one I'm actually in, I think there's a bit more value in Oasis Respite over trade-in. Now, that being said, I think... Ugh, it's hard because sweeping blow, like all of the illusionists, like block for three and blocks for three are like always really important. Um, but it's still like a pretty low illusionist pick, I think. Well, no, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty low on the 
on the scale of illusionist cards I would want to pick. So I'll pray that trade-in comes back around and then we'll just pass on sweeping blow. So there you have it. Nailed it. Nice. I think I nailed it more, but it's okay. (laughs) It's totally fair. The listeners will be the judge of that. We just say something different to, you know, be different. Well, when Blake listens to it, I'll ask him what he thinks. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Ask Blake what he thought of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Um, Here at the Attack Action Podcast, we like to play many different board games, not just flesh and blood. And sometimes we want to share one with you in the hopes that you will enjoy it too. Uh, this episode, we have a guest. So this episode's board game from the closet is Justin's board game. Yeah, so my favorite genre of board games is like bluffing and player interaction. So the board game from the closet for me is Skull, or I think it's more like Skull and Roses, depending on where you look. But it's it's a game that's kind of like Liar's Dice, where... Everyone's putting down cards and you're making bets against other players where everyone's putting down cards and you try and see how many you can flip over without flipping over a skull. You know, people have a couple cards in front of them and people are outbidding each other and then it gets to a point when you actually have to flip it over and then if you do not flip over any skulls, then you win. If you do, you lose a card. And so the reason why I love this game is that it, the best description I heard is it plays how poker should feel. Where it's like, you don't have all the math and statistics. It's kind of like you're looking at the person, you're soul reading them. And you're trying to make decisions based on, you know, just looking at the players and what you have. And you're trying to bluff people. So that's kind of my favorite board games. My wife hates it. Because <laughs> she's like, you can read me. All my friends are just like, anytime I pull out a board game, like, 100%, it's going to be a bluffing game where we're going to have to sell to each other and negotiate with each other. <laughs> and it's going to be... Justin's having a great time <laughs> and all of us are trying to survive. Like the resistance is another favorite of mine. Yeah. So, With your friendships intact. Yeah. Um, they just I, leave a little more broken every time. <laughs> I have not played this game, but I think I would love it. I love this kind of game. And I looked it up after yeah. you uh, recommended it. So thank you. I will be checking it out. And it's, the perfect, perfect game for going to a bar and playing it or going out yeah. for like dinner because you can mm-hmm. you don't even need the board game. You can just bring like coasters, which is like what this game uses, but playing cards, you know, pieces of napkin, it's great. And you learn a lot about your friends <laughs> and who are the yeah. bad liars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is uh, that's what the context in which I've played the game is at a bar before mm-hmm. um, and it is perfect for that. You know, and the, and the person's copy who I played with, it was like all beat to shit and has beer all over it and stuff is is a well-loved game. So great, great choice. Excellent work. Thank you. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I just love talking about bluffing board games, so I can just keep going. But I think someone's it's- already pulling me out, you know, just like he can't keep talking about them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> feels like you should be a Dorinthia player, not a Prism player, you know? <laughs> All the oh, bluffing. Yeah, totally. I've heard. Or Katsu, maybe. But do you ever play Malarkey? I, mean, I, I played that, that when I was when I was a little kid. Malarkey. It's like you Mm-mm. you get a prompt and each of you has to tell a story about like the origins of this thing or something, and somebody has the right answer and the rest of the players have to just like make it up but then somebody has to like pick which one's correct you know so you get uh bonus points for being a really imaginative liar i guess <laughs> when i put it that way it sounds kind of <laughs> but it was pretty good i liked it as a kid and you know uh yeah just speaking of another bluffing yeah. game i'll have to check it out i mean the one thing that i, I like buried the lead on this part which was i'm also um, or still I am like a magician. So like I've been doing magic for like 10 years. So I'm a professional liar in some degree too. Oh, we should so have opened with this. Naturally. 
Wait, so you're like talking like card tricks, rabbit out of the hat, that sort of thing? Yeah, not the rabbit out of the hat, mostly card tricks, but yeah. Wow, that's awesome. We definitely should have opened with that. What is it doing here at the end of the episode? (laughs) The listeners at home can't see how wide my eyes went when you said that. Well, they don't get to see the cameras either. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Justin just disappeared and reappeared. It was crazy. (laughs) Totally. How is that dollar bill floating in the air right now? (laughs) Yeah, it's just not great for playing card games because it's like everyone watches me now. Yeah. (laughs) So you don't lead with it, you know. But I owe you a card trick next time we meet up in person again. Oh, fantastic. Sweet. Love it. I'm into it. Great. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Justin. It's great to see you again. I look forward to working with you in the future or seeing you get to put on other events. Um, Hopefully me and Isaac can make it to the so-called calling so calling that's what it is number three hopefully we can be there um anything you want to shout out or plug social media or or anything now is your chance yeah i just want to shout out all the people who made battle hardened happen like all of our staff the judges the players you guys like without everything coming together like that it would not have been possible so i think just i keep reiterating that and just saying like flesh and blood happens because of the community and it stays interesting because of the people who play it so having more events like this and you know hopefully more people like me just wanting to do cool stuff for the community is something that people can take upon themselves in their communities so um i think going forward just looking out for the next so calling um you'll definitely about it on different channels we're going to work with lss and hopefully promote it we're making it bigger and better every year so we'll see what happens with the next we have one coming towards uh the fall so we'll see what happens with that but i'm sure everyone will know about it soon awesome well thanks again justin and we'll catch you next time goodbye everybody thanks for having look me. out for look out for justin out there it's gonna be a big name yeah, he's a great liar and he's he's a magician. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Battlebro Taylor and at Battlebro Isaac. Shoot us an email. The Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.